Welcome to Since You Didn't Ask with Andrew McNeil. I'm Matthew Holbrook. And uh, today, Andrew, we are... Did we actually even frame how this question is going to be asked? Like, I don't think we did. Um, why don't you give it a shot and then I'll tell you if it sounds like a good question. So I think we could say that our question for today is how patriotic should Christians be? All right. So how patriotic should Christians be? Um, I would have said it along the lines of should Christians be patriotic? Yeah, let's start there. That's more and basic. Then, um, should there be any element of patriotism? Or is even the idea of patriotism biblical? Okay. So um, uh, I think that's where we can start. So I'll let you go first. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, where would be a good place to start? Okay. I don't know if this is the best place, but I would start by saying that... No. <laughs> I would start by saying that fundamentally when a we go back further when a person is saved they are incorporated into a new family a new people a new creation a new kingdom that is separate from and i would say opposed to every kingdom of this world so we are not citizens of this world but citizens of heaven and so we our allegiance then is to god and we don't pledge allegiance to anyone else or anything else at some level yes so we didn't talk about this but you see where i'm going with this should a christian even say the pledge of allegiance or should there just be one world <laughs> this is going to be a, a long one um, <laughs> let's just got messy okay okay so here's how here's how i think you have to go back to genesis to answer all of this um i think fundamentally humankind was designed to function in a unified loving way that brings blessing on the world um without divisions of languages without divisions of countries um that that's seems to be the original intention you have things like cain and abel displaying that once sin gets into the world it rips the fabric of all human relationships it leads mankind to want to oppose god and not um work for him but work against him and so you have Babel uh, when the nations are first come about I, I would argue that that's kind of the first example of of um, how the nations end up both fighting against God and then being divided against one another as a result of sin um, I don't know so that's kind of the base framework and then yeah so yeah and that's where I would have started and then you take that one step further then you do have the formation of nations and then you have the God ordained well it's all God ordained but you have the specifically um uh, the nation of Israel um, appointed by God, if you will, mm -hmm. as the descendants of Abraham. So now we have in the mix, there is a nation in the world that has been specifically called out as a nation with a, uh, with a specific, as a specific people group for, for God's purposes. For the purpose of carrying the blessing to, to the, the Gentiles to right. fix the splinteredness of the world eventually. But still, there is God... Um, God using a specifically defined nation yeah, for yeah. His purposes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at least in the at least in the case of Israel, we could say both from a um, this this gets a little a little hairier, but both from an ethnic standpoint, descendants of Abraham. Yeah, okay. And from a geographic uh, definition standpoint uh, of defined borders, Genesis does define that mm -hmm. in Genesis God defines the borders of Israel geographically. So we have a nation where there is a, a people group with defined borders that God absolutely affirms in that specific case. I'm with you. Okay. I don't know where I'm going with that other than to say that, that we have an example <laughs> that of that. It is an example, yeah. Uh, uh, now, but what, even there, okay, I, I I can let you keep going if you want to keep going. No, I'm, I don't know where I'm going from there. All I was going to say is even there you go back, I think it's in Deuteronomy 9 where he talks about don't think that you were better than any other nation or that I chose yeah. you because of anything about you. There's no sense of like a I might be using the word wrong, but nationalistic pride in the sense of uh, what most people would associate with patriotism. Uh, uh, 
uh, again, I don't know where that lands us. I'm just saying that okay. that would flavor it. So I guess I would I would start then by looking at the history of how nations came about ultimately is the result of sin. But in that, in God's response to that sin, God did ordain for nations to exist through what he did, even starting at Babel. And then we see that further affirmed through what God did through Abraham and his descendants with the nation of Israel. So we have, uh, we can say at the, at, at the very basis that the formation of nations is ultimately a part of God's direction and plan. And I would even go, think we can go a step further because if you go to Revelation and you look at the end of God's plan, sure. it includes in chapter 22, the leaves of the tree um, in the New Jerusalem are for the healing of the nations. And in another spot, it talks about the kings of the earth bringing their wealth in. So it seems like there's both ethnic and national identity preserved into into the restoration of all things. Um, so wh whether whether we want to ultimately say that the formation of nations is uh, totally re result of sin or or not, God redeems it and seems to keep it all the way through to the eternal state. Um, so yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, we go from there. If we want to take a jump forward, um, we can we jump to Matthew chapter twenty-two, and we get a little bit more framework, I think, laid to this where uh, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and they ask him, um, tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, and this is in verse 18 of chapter 22, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me a coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then Jesus gives the answer. He says, then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And so we do get a, a the, the principle laid out here that God is affirming that what belongs to Caesar belongs to Caesar and that it is appropriate to give something to Caesar. We need to figure out what that something is, but there is something owed to the governmental authority over, over humans. Um, on the other hand, we don't give to Caesar what belongs to God and we render to God what are God's. And so um, we could unpack that further, but I think we would both agree that our ultimate allegiance, our worship, our final obedience is all what is owed to God, and that's what we do give to God over and above Caesar, the government. And we know from um, Peter tells Christians to honor the emperor. Um, Paul tells us to submit to the authorities. So I think I think there's a strong case for at least honoring, submitting, having an attitude of thankfulness, um, even for for rulers that are evil or you know overstep what would be appropriate. Um, the question, though, I think is that when, we, when I hear the word patriotism, I think of more that streak of, of pride and of, um, you know, a love for your country that is beyond uh, other countries. I don't, I don't know how to say that. Okay, yeah, a, 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 um, a singular love that it would, be, would be elevated. So almost in the same sense that we should love all people, but you're going to love your spouse the most. Yeah. You're going to love yeah. maybe people of all the world, but you love your country the most. Or a belief that there's something uniquely good about your country. It's often how it comes out. All right. Um, well, it does come back to, do we do we distinguish countries from government? Um, I, I think those are largely intertwined. Um, so countries, when we define a country, um, we can define it by, and many countries are defined by ethnic people groups. Obviously, that's not true of this country. Um, then we can have countries that are defined by geographic borders, and we have countries de defined by um, government structure, or in our case, uh, in the United States, we have the Constitution would be kind of the the governing authority that that defines who we are who we are as a country. We do have, um, as we get into this in that context, uh, we need to consider what Paul says to the Romans. Um, whatever, uh, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, because he says in 
verse 1, chapter 13, that we're to be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. Um, those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for God's, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection. I think where this becomes relevant is God does appoint governments, and governments rule in countries, and not all governments are the same. So to the extent that a government is acting in accordance to God's decree for how governments should act, then I think it's clear that we are to be in subjection to at least to that type of a government. And I think where we're ultimately trying to make the leap is, are, are we then proud of that country or do we have allegiance to that country? How does that play out? What do you think? I think that's a dicey question. <laughs> um, yeah, I th so I guess I would put it this way. I think the, the way that I would start to think about this question is starting to look at some examples that I think might bring some clarity. We're, we're, we're circling the drain on this. We're, we're uh, maybe we're going down the drain. Um, but we are, uh, to, to really address this question head on, we have to talk about specifics. So um, I think an, uh, an interesting place to just practically think about this is on the issue of um, immigration, for example. Uh, should the United States of America embrace open borders and let anyone who wants to come into the country? Because the United States has the highest um, you know, uh, quality of life living, people would argue, uh, and therefore if we love people, then we should be inviting as many to benefit from, from that as possible. And many people would even argue and point to poverty throughout the rest of the world and say the more people that we invite in, the more that we can alleviate uh, terrible poverty. And that is an obligation of the United States to do that. I can tell by the way you're looking, you're not quite sure where I'm going with this. Um, I'm waiting. There's some interesting arguments to be made on both sides of that open borders question that ultimately are, are um, directed by biblical principles, but there's practical outcomes that have to be factored in to how you apply them or how the biblical principles apply. So for example, um, the Bible is clear that we should have a heart for the poor, we should have a heart for the oppressed, um, and that there's no doubt that that is an obligation of uh, absolutely of individuals. And I think an argument can be made that that's an obligation, certainly of, of church bodies and there's an obligation even of countries. I think you can make that argument. Um, so if that's the case, those are, those are the biblical principles what is the practical ramification of open borders and how does that address, let's just, let's just focus on the issue of poverty. How does it address the issue of poverty by inviting more people into the United States? It seems to be a pretty um, uh, natural course of the way to think about that. But I do think that it's, that, there, that it's a much more complex issue. And this comes back to this issue of patriotism in the sense that um, by any measurement, when we look at the issues of poverty in the world, the United States historically, overwhelmingly, has been the greatest force for good in alleviating poverty around the world and in different places in the world. And um, far and away, studies show over and over again that we are much more effective, we being the human race, not necessarily the United States, but much more effective at, at addressing issues of poverty in the world by um, helping people to develop healthy, thriving um, uh, economies where they are and being able to be self-sufficient where they are as opposed to moving them from one location to another location. And uh, I think I've seen some that it's, the magnitude is by, the, is by you know thousands of times more effective. 
So we could bring, for example, a whole bunch of people into the United States. I hope I'm not losing people with this. But we could bring a whole bunch of people into the United States and overwhelm our infrastructure. And then the United States becomes much less effective at, sent, at going out and addressing issues. So on that purely just political issue, we could say, you, somebody could say the United States should be protected should be valued for its potential to do good in the world and to position it in the best way to do good. I'm not saying that's what everybody means by patriotism, but I could see even to the extent then of um, if if we are intent on the spreading of the gospel that a, a healthy country that can um, be a launching point to send missionaries and to send, send carriers of the gospel to other parts of the world, if that is a place like the United States, then I think those are arguments that are in some way appropriate for at least valuing a particular country over another. That was very rambling. <laughs> and when I hear you describe that, I'm thinking you are valuing people in general most in that description. You are only valuing your own country insofar as it leads to greater benefit for more people. As opposed to the person, I think of patriotism in a more general sense. I'm thinking of the person who's like, close the borders, they're going to ruin America, keep them out. Yeah. Um, I agree I... with what you said. I'm just, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a, if the point you're making is there might be a place for that type of patriotism, and that's how we define it, I could go with you on that. So this is boring because I think we are, we are agreeing, but um, I think the way that we address this question, ultimately, should Christians be patriotic, it comes down to how do we define what we mean by patriotism? And there is a context, I think, in what I am in a very clumsy way trying to describe. I think there is a type of patriotism that makes biblical sense. That, is, that falls under the umbrella of my citizenship is first in heaven. But I have a citizenship here on earth that is not completely irrelevant. God has put me in a place to do uh, to serve him in a, in a specific way. And God has given put me into a country that is that has an opportunity to do certain things. And so it is appropriate for me to advocate, when I say me, I mean for us as believers, to advocate for our countries to be a certain way. And, and if, if that is... Um, if that is patriotism, I think that is appropriate for a believer. But just the pure rah rah, red, white, and blue, we're better than everybody else, and I don't care about anybody else. Then, if that's the type of patriotism that we're saying, then then I think we are, we might be running into a biblically problematic perspective for a Christian. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and I think the way you're describing this actually fits. Um, Jonathan Edwards wrote a what he considered. I think his first or second most important booklet, uh, it was called The Nature of True Virtue. And it's about what love is. And he basically says that, well, actually it's not ultimately about that, but it's about basically what humanity's purpose is. And he says that God's purpose in humanity is that they would they would be loving, that's like the pinnacle of what virtue is, and that he defines love as essentially, uh, this is gonna sound really weird, benevolence towards being in general, which means essentially love towards everything that God has created. Um, and I hear you describe the patriotism thing, and I feel like there's that layer is in there. Like, my ultimate allegiance is to Christ, and because of that, I have an allegiance to love all people, and because of that, I have a desire that, that my country would act and be certain things so that good can come to all people. We have some good friends in Croatia who are missionaries in Croatia, and uh, you talk to them for five minutes, and you find that they have a very special love for the people of Croatia. This is not the same as the patriotism question necessarily, but it is... A, a people group that God has put on their heart and where they live and where they minister and where um, where God has put them. And uh, to that extent, to say, God has put me in this country and I love this country. And as long as for the believer, that love is not a, 
I think there is a place where, uh, if I'm understanding Edwards correctly, it is a selfish love. But if that love is, I love these people to the end that I, I want them to know the gospel. I want them to know Christ. Um, and I, my, my heart breaks in a, in a uniquely special way for these people where God has put me and has, has planted me for ministry and for life and to proclaim him. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, that would be inappropriate. And I think it's, you know, even to the even to the degree where you might root for your country in the Olympics or something. Sure, that, that's sure. part of shared experiences, and, and it, but it doesn't it it doesn't cross the line for the Christian. It shouldn't, to where there is a loving your country at the cost of all other human beings. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. Um, and I guess going back to my earlier clumsy point is that sometimes those two things are pitted against each other. That if you love the United States of America so much, then we're going to want to close the borders and not let anybody in. And that comes at everybody else's expense. And I want to make sure that we at least have the allowance for Christians with their heart in the right place to say, yes, I love the people where God has put me. Um, I love the people of the world where God gives me opportunity. And I'm going to think through even these political issues um, in, in ways to really try to understand how those play together rather than just kind of having a knee-jerk black and white response to any situation. All right, I think we're going to wrap it up here for today. Hopefully this was helpful to you, and we'll see you next time.